0: This is Terms of Reference. During a 35-year-long career, oilman Rod McAllister has worked mostly in Africa, managing businesses, but also keeping an eye on and supporting the communities in which he was working. He served as president of the U.S. African Development Fund for several years, and with primatologist Jane Goodall, built an orphanage and sanctuary for chimpanzees in the Congo that is the largest in Africa. Other projects he has spearheaded include building toilets for rural schools in Gabon and establishing a medical clinic in the Congo. Rod now works in Gabon, running a small independent company that produces 10% of the country's oil. In the spring of 2013, he spoke with Terms of Reference host Stephen Loddick.
1: Thanks again for taking the time and, and agreeing to be interviewed for Terms of Reference magazine. We really appreciate it. Our first question for you is: uh, I'd like to learn, you know, and, and tell our readers a bit more about you personally. I know you personally; I've I've known you for many years now. You're currently. I'd like to like to learn about what your current job is, um, and maybe tell us about some of the other work that you've done in the past and how your business work has dovetailed with community engagement and and what that means.
2: Sure, It's hard to uh, hone in. Um, On everything that uh, may come to mind here, uh, I've been in business for about 35 years now, which is a horrifying thought in itself. Um, 25-plus of those years I've been in the international oil business, and I had about a 10-year segue out of the oil business. I'm back in now, but um, that was the consultancy called Business and Conflict helped Clients do business more safely in dangerous places using non-using uh, approaches that were not exclusively dependent on physical security, but community engagement and CSR type stuff. Then I was the president of the African Development Foundation for a couple of years, uh, overseeing a portfolio of about 240 investments in African small and medium-sized businesses in 16 countries, the idea being that the best way to build sustainable peace is through creating sustainable jobs. Um, And then I'm, having learned a bit about that business, set up a private equity fund, which um, I spent three years trying to get off the ground. I called it the Africa Middle Market Fund, and I was beginning to despair of being able to find uh, the $50 million or so that uh, it was going to take to get that fund off the ground when the oil business called. And I answered the call, and now I find myself running a uh, small Texas independence operation in Gabon, producing about 10% of the country's uh, daily oil production. So that's the career in a nutshell. A lot of it has been between Africa and the Middle East, where all you need to do is go from the airport to your hotel or your office, and if your eyes are open, you see 50 or 100 different problems that could warrant some attention. And if you are a person of conscience, like most people I know, you want to do something. You can't do much, but you can do something. And so most of the places that I've lived and worked have involved in one way or another participating in community life, drawing on resources that were available from my employer, and trying to direct those resources towards things that would matter, that would make a difference one way or another.
1: Are there any specific projects that you can you know, give us an example, a brief example of either through your, your current company in Gabon, or if I remember correctly, you were in uh, in the Congo for a while too. Isn't that correct?
2: That is correct, Stephen. I ran um, the Congo subsidiary of Conoco Inc. before it merged with Phillips Petroleum to become ConocoPhillips. And there were two things about that. Uh, That work there that were interesting. One was by virtue of absence of doctors, uh, we had a significant challenge uh, with both national and expatriate employees looking after their health. So we ended up uh, hiring a a French bush doctor, setting him up in a clinic, and by the time uh, the the thing was made economical and efficient, we were providing health care for seven or eight different companies and some 700, 800 different people all in all. And uh, on the environment side, Jane Goodall, the world-famous chimpanzee researcher researcher and environmentalist, uh, came to the Congo because she was concerned about habitat destruction and illegal poaching and hunting of chimpanzees for bushmeat and uh, decided to try and do something about it we forged a relationship, and to cut a very long story short, we decided to uh, help her by building a protected sanctuary orphanage for orphaned chimpanzees who could not be released back into the wild but had been captured, and uh, provide a natural enough uh, living environment for them. That, uh, That project was designed for 25 chimps, which was the sum total plus a couple of extra of the chimps in the Pointe Noire, Brazzaville, and Kinshasa zoos. And it's been featured in National Geographic. Uh, it has grown to the largest primate sanctuary in Africa with about 150, uh, chimps in the place now. Uh, lest you think that's impressive, that's not a good thing. That is data that the problem persists and has not been solved. So at the Congo and in Gabon, we've got an interesting challenge on our hands because it's a wealthy country by African standards. We have the second highest GDP per capita in Africa tied with Libya, actually. Uh, The reason for that is lots of oil income, not that many inhabitants. And so they tend to be well off, quite proud, quite territorial in terms of village and ethnicity and charity is basically an unknown and unpracticed concept there. Yet they've got uh, sex trafficking of children. They've got uh, all kinds of environmental risks and degradation. There are many, many problems, but it is quite difficult to do something there that is one, effective and two, appreciated. And we're still in the hunt for the right kind of thing to do there. The main thing that we have done uh, since my company has been producing oil for 10 years, not very glamorous, but that is build latrines in rural schools. Now, why latrines? Uh, It turns out that for every year that girls stay in school, all other development factors correlate to that one and improve. Why do girls drop out of school? Because when they reach puberty and there's no place to relieve themselves, they uh, would rather not come to school than deal with that. So we have been uh, building latrines as a high leverage factor in the overall country's development, if you can connect those dots.
1: Absolutely. That's fascinating. Can you... Can you tell me, was was the Latrine project, was that ongoing before you entered the company? Or do you have a sense of how that data point was was recognized within the company?
2: Uh, Like many good things, Stephen, you know, it happens much more by accident than design. Uh, We operate uh, in the southern part of the country offshore near a small town that has an airport that we use for crew changes. And those, uh, the people in that town, Mayumba, uh, asked us if we would help with a local school. And, you know, you look for something that's doable and is not going to tie up in knots forever. So, uh, building a latrine for the school was a fairly simple, not expensive, in and out project. So we did that and everybody was very happy. So, uh, other schools heard about it and they wanted theirs too. Uh, before you knew it, one thing led to another, and we were in a virtual program of latrine building around an ever-widening circle of schools emanating from that area.
1: That's fascinating. That's that's something that I've witnessed myself in the country of Haiti, where uh, a lot of the disaster relief projects were focused on providing water and sanitation, and, and specifically retrain, latrine facilities, because it does have such a, a critical connection to... Not only child well-being, but also just whole family well-being. Let, let me ask you: so, you know, sort of looking back on your time with uh, business and conflict, with Conoco, with with your time in Gabon, you know, all of the travels that you've done. One of the things that terms of reference magazines readers are interested in are those, you know, the the aha moments, the the crazy stories, the you know, the stories about, um, you know the intricacies of living not in the United States or, or not in the, the Western world, basically. Um, are any of those stories that, that, that pop to mind? You know, I'm, I'm thinking about the, the work with Jane Goodall. Is there any sort of, you know, uh, interesting, you know, sort of interesting, like you'd never know about this unless we were sitting around the campfire together, kind of stories that you usually tell?
2: Well, I do have one story that kind of illustrates the nature of the challenge, generally speaking, that one comes up against in continents like Africa, anyhow, where you want to do something and you set about a a target, you target a problem, and then you basically realize that the neck bone is connected to the ankle bone. Uh, and by that, I mean, I'll give you an example. The mayor of Pointe-Noire came to me in about nineteen ninety one and he said listen the main streets in town have street lamps but hardly any of them work could you please assist me with uh, restoring light to the city at night because that would improve everyone's safety greatly and uh, Conoco is a very safety conscious company so that resonated and um, the benefit of improved safety uh, through lighting is uh, sort of a, an indiscriminate benefit. Uh, everybody benefits. You can't just say one target population benefits uh, over another. And so I said, sure, be happy to help you do that. Well, that's when you find out that uh, in order to replace the streetlights, you need uh, a truck with an arm on it and a bucket on the end of it so a guy can get up and change out the bulbs. And then you find out that that truck has been broken for several years, and that's probably the reason that the streetlights, one by one, have gone out and never been replaced. So you then find out, well, what will it take to uh, repair the truck? Well, it needs some parts. Where do the parts come from? They come from France. Okay, let's get them from France. Well, uh that the factory that makes them um, is on strike right now and uh, nobody knows exactly when those parts can be available. Okay. Well then, uh how can we can we manufacture the parts? Uh People in in the developing world can be remarkably clever at uh, building machinery, repairing machinery, do it yourself. So uh, you try to do that. Well, then sure enough, uh, you get the thing working. But meanwhile, you need a supply of bulbs. And where do the bulbs come from? Well, they don't make that kind of bulb anymore. Uh, the, the vintage of street lamp, uh, requires a certain kind of bulb that has been discontinued in production for several years now. So you need new street like poles altogether, not just new bulbs, even though you have a truck that can now put a man up there to put the bulbs in and so on. Do I make my point?
1: <laughs> that is, I, you know, I had my, my side of the conversation on and but I was, it's I've heard this story like this a hundred times, uh, where, and I love your description about, uh, you know, the next, the neck bones connected to the ankle bone for sure. That's a fantastic story. Um, Rod, you know, I, I know your time is precious and we really thank you again. Um, what about, you know, one last question, you know, most of our readers or a good portion of our readers are either young development professionals or people who are interested in, in contributing to humanitarian aid and, and development uh, type processes. Do you have any advice for someone who is looking to, you know, live overseas or, or get into this business about, um, you know, what you would look for or, or how you would go about
2: that? Well, uh, yes, probably do. I guess what, Working either in this space or sort of tangentially uh, related to it, what it's taught me is um, things are not nearly as simple as they seem, and two, uh, the people that you serve may not be grateful for your service. Uh, They may, in fact, resent that you've come to serve them because they don't believe that they need to be fixed by be able to do it for satisfaction and not gratitude. And uh, third, the whole development model, uh, which seems to always be in question, um, deserves to remain in question uh, versus the investment and economic model. And so I think that should uh, be a factor in anybody's consideration. Uh, And yet, um, there are so many problems, so much that needs to get done that most people who feel a calling in this type should uh, not just romance about it and dream about it, but go get on an airplane, um, go set up uh, in some place where they can at least speak the language and get started initially and get a good taste of life at it before attempting to make a difference in anybody else's
1: life. Fantastic. Thanks. Thanks so much for sharing your insights. I appreciate it.
0: Hello. You've been listening to Terms of Reference, a weekly podcast from Apreneur.com. Find us at iTunes and at www.apreneur.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.